Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Phoenix Handlebars, Alpine Star, MX, as well as Fox Racing. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. I'm on all of these podcasts, but with me in studio, this does not happen very often. In fact, I think we've only done maybe 10, 15 in-person podcasts, the full hour-length podcasts, and uh, if we go a whole hour, he's definitely going to be upset with me because he's got to go go to work tomorrow, but we don't do a lot of these, but in studio, here at the Palatial Estate, Big MX Radio, aka my shitty apartment, James Dahlman. James, how's it going? Hey, Brad. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm a little bit nervous, never been on a podcast, never talked before so we'll see how it goes he's never spoken before those were his first words uh he's already dying laughing uh i intend for this podcast to be a lot of fun the two of us we watch old super cross races uh you and i go to the track together sometimes maybe not the same vehicle but we usually park somewhere close together or sometimes you're hiding on me i still find you in the pits uh and laughs are had um pretty pretty like we're pretty realistic about our expectations on the track those, those expectations are quite low. Um, but uh, I guess the, the question that anybody who's actually taken the time, both people listening right now, uh, are probably wondering, who the fuck is James Dahlman? And I guess the only person here that can answer that is you. Well, uh, basically, just like you, I'm an absolute nobody from the prairies of Manitoba. Thank you. So... Uh... Don't really have much of an opinion that's worth anything, but uh, I'm going to share it anyways, and we'll see. I'm just like Brad, you know, red seal in the trades, so I work pretty hard sometimes, allegedly. And uh, yeah, I like to ride their bikes, and that's about it. Fair enough. So a a couple of skilled tradesmen who uh, love the sport of motocross, and I'm a firm believer that uh, like one of the probably the most accessible ways to continue to race motocross and, and afford the sport is to probably especially in your 20s is to be in the trades you got like to have that to be a high wage earner and we're being replacing parts as quickly as this guy is especially because he's got clapped out yamahas all the time um always working on but i, I can't imagine like you and a ray must have a parts bill that are like direct mirrors of each other like you you've got like all kinds of yeah, 125s, 252 strokes. Like they all run like a bag of nails. How do you keep up with it all? Well, my wallet's definitely not happy about it, but you're right. I definitely replace cranks like they're going out of style these days. Like I don't know what's going on. I used to be so gentle on bikes and now it seems I can't even keep them running. Yeah, but, like uh, you're you're hard on stuff, man. <laughs> like for a guy who doesn't log in the really fast lap times. No, you, definitely not. I think it's just a lot of clutching and revving to make me sound good. Oh, hey, you got a lot. You got to you got to sound fast to go fast, as I always say. Um, but actually, my my first opportunity to sort of put you on the spot is that we've only known each other on speaking terms and getting to know each other for about. Two or three ish. Yeah, years. maybe three tops. Like, three it tops. Not been that long. Um, my question to you is, when did you first learn of, like, who I was within the community of Manitoba Motocross? Of which, uh, I have no, actually, have no idea what anyone here thinks of me because I don't go to a lot of races. And also, like, how did you, like, how did I, how did either, how did we meet? How did I come across you? How did you come across me? I think my first memories of you are uh, a CR250F, 
number 89, red numbers, and I was no giving side you sh- plates. Yeah, no, no, no side, side plates. plates. I was the the PA address <laughs> announcer giving you shit over the over the loudspeaker every single race because you didn't have side plates on, which does not help a guy who's no. trying to announce the races. And actually, that was you were the, that was the year you were in the C class. You and uh, your good friend Grant Price were at the front of the pack all the time. I knew what his number was, but I didn't know yours. So I think that's at least where I, I first knew of you announcing those races. Oh yeah, front of C class till even we dropped anchor. Even in C class, that's right, the anchor big time. Yeah, so, no, no then, side plates. <laughs> how, did, how did you come across me? And then, uh, honestly, I have no idea when we even first started talking. I feel like we talked one time before that, somewhere along the line. I couldn't remember how we introduced each other, how we interacted. Was it Minadosa? It might have even been Dosa. It might have been. Honestly, I don't even know. Like, I have no no idea how I met you. It just suddenly. But we I were stayed talking in your trailer sh- that night. Was that <laughs> that night? Yeah, I think you were just homeless and looking for a place to stay, and we're like, "Cool, well, this guy seems all right." So I guess it's okay. I mean, you basically stopped in at the homeless camp, like yeah, the 1970s was, trailer, like yeah. thing was falling apart at the seams, and you're like, "Well, oh, is there a room?" And we're like, "Well, I don't see why not." Like I was slightly more homeless than you for the fact that you had a place to sleep. Wasn't my camper though? It was Grant's camper. It was Grant's camper. <laughs> so I was homeless too. Yeah, no, I definitely probably needed a tetanus shot after that <laughs> night of sleep, but um yeah i remember those races uh that was the the year of 2018 i bowed out of all the races so that i could do the pa announcing for manitoba motocross as well as they had this video thing that they were doing that's right i remember that and it was absolute clown show i ended up getting stiffed a bunch of money i never watched a single episode and it, of it that's probably why i got stiffed a bunch <laughs> of money they weren't getting the viewership much like this podcast i didn't even know where to find it yeah it was i i honestly to this day I, I, amateur sports tv or it was it had some weird lame name to it and we were filming them on ipads yeah i remember that i filming iPad- it you were in the box of your truck at the top of the hill of Minidosa. That's where I met you. You were filming with this iPad. And I swear I was just coming around being like, what the fuck is this guy doing with an iPad? What are you going to see from here? Like, what yeah. are you going to see on this track? I, I was just, I did as I was told. Apparently, the thing was supposed to have like a Wi-Fi connection of some sort. And it was total BS. Um, but it, it wasn't working. But so, aside from that, James Dolman, electrician to the stars, a.k.a. whatever, uh, Com- like you work residential commercial commercial, commercial. Electri- electrical uh, company that you work for you ride 125 250 two stroke two yamahas strokes only and you also have the the pit bike and it's the yeah, crf 110 crf 110 one of the most hottest bikes on the market right now because <laughs> those things are hard to find um and, and of course you race a lot locally and um, on top of that, you're also a huge pulp listener. You listen to a lot of pulp. Listen to all the pulp. I listen to the main event moto. I okay. listen to 90% of your podcast, unless I have no idea who he is, which is sometimes a lot seems of times, to happen. Yeah, yeah. These random industry people, and I'm Fantastic. like, Fantastic. Yeah, who the fuck's Dave Drake? <laughs> Stuff like that. Um, Poor Dave. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, figuratively and literally. Um, <laughs> but I'll, he, he works for Harley Davidson. He's doing fine. Um but uh, and I think I think he's on uh, he's on Dark Side show tonight doing the the wrap up pod with the pony pod with the pony pod he's doing that tonight so he's moving up in the world I've been on the wrap up show twice those are the only two that I've listened to Holy. um but uh, so like I gotta ask this like 
what is it like you listen to my show obviously like 90 percent of them the one that are like you listen to the blair morgan one that one yep, was good that was a really good one a couple other ones are probably not terrible what yeah. is it you like about my show at all like what or like what are the certain things you actually like listening to about my show I like the one-on-one interviews with some of the riders that like definitely don't necessarily get the spotlight. Like you've definitely been big on Colt Nichols for a while, so those were some good ones back in the day. That like he's a good interview. I've always been a fan of Colt Nichols, so interviews like that were pretty cool. Or like that uh, Tristan Charbonneau interview where he kind of revealed some behind the scenes at Geico. Like I don't know, I feel like you those get are s- diamonds in the rough. Yeah, those you get some of the cool. interviews that like maybe like Pulp or like these other guys aren't even looking for because they're not a headliner guy. They're not even necessarily like current people, but like it's kind of cool just to see like. The other side of things, I guess, are just behind the scenes or just stuff that's happened in the past. Those are always good podcasts to listen to. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, and then, of course, with Pulp, like, it's just, there's so many different layers to what makes Pulp MX awesome. Like, Steve himself is just, like, the guy's comedy gold half the time. He just, like, comes up with, like, one-liners. Him and JT are arguing with each other about, like, the what stadiums yeah. are called, what the commodity of the personalities is hard to beat. Like you just can't beat the, you know, the the group of, you know, the three guys, Wygant and yeah. JT and Mathis. Like when they start going, like it's it's great. Like it's always gold. It always is. They might as well record their regular conversations because I'm sure they're just hilarious. Oh yeah, but that but that's the that's the beauty of it. Like when they do the review pod, and that's one of the things I like about that the podcast, <laughs> the banter, and it, it's literally as if all three of those guys have an hour and a half drive home from the races. Yeah, and, and you just, just have uh, there's a there's a, a recorder in the middle of it. That, that's that's basically yeah. that phone, that podcast. I think that's why it's just so successful. Is they have that sort of like that relationship and whatnot. And uh, hey, maybe we uh, I find something like that on the podcast. So far, how much just, money would you have to pay them to put them in a motorhome for the nationals together? Oh, <laughs> um. Well, uh, first of all, that's never happening for for Weege because he's he'd lose his marriage, but. I think uh, to get them to like rather than stay in hotels, yeah, to stay in a motorhome together in the motorhome. Okay, and like, but someone's driving it. Someone's driving it. They're just so they're flying in, and that's like that's where they stay. That's that's home base. That's home base. I think that could be done, and I'm thinking it's probably in the fifty to sixty range, (laughs) like each. So. And that means they're probably making more than your average guy uh, that makes night shows, uh, which is both sad and a reality. So let's talk, like, speaking of Supercross, we're finally, after three long weeks of uh, nothingness and me watching a lot of races from the early and mid-2000s, much to the chagrin of my lovely girlfriend who puts up with that kind of crap, um, we're getting back to Supercross. We might get some guys back from injury. I assume Brayton's going to be back full go. Um, we might get Osborne, but probably not. He's probably focusing outdoors. AC is releases, a, is a, releases, a, releases a video today saying he's getting on the bike tomorrow. So uh, when this podcast comes out, he'll probably be uh, warming up the, the KX450. Um, I like that it's KX450 now. It's not the KX450. Yeah, they, everyone's been dropping been the 10 years. lately. It's I think the fit- Yamaha dropped it too, right? Uh, no, they still They're have still it. The F? They're okay. still, still the F. I like it. F, it's I a think. good move to drop the F. Yeah, just because they don't have a two-stroke to even like confuse no. people anymore, so it doesn't need to be there. But um, like AC getting injured, we've seen, like Marv hits the ground more than you do lately. Oh, it's been terrible for Marv. I feel bad for the guy. The is probably... he on his way out? You think? You gotta think he is, because like 
it's such a tough year and last year didn't go good either outdoors was super tough for him like the second motos like he looked like he was struggling so like you got to think if outdoors doesn't go like even slightly good like he's got to be really thinking like time to hang it up because like he does probably doesn't want to get hurt either right like he's yeah you start get hitting the ground a bunch like cool you're looking at injuries totally but like for for a guy like him and this happens with a lot of guys is not only do you start hitting the ground more late in your career you're hitting the ground more and on the races you're doing well it's like a sixth yeah for and like sure. sixth of these guys is you might as well not have showed up because nobody talks about sixth Six doesn't go to the 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 podium or the post race press conferences or nothing. Get to get awesome questions asked by me. Um, just none of that. You know what I mean? So it's been a really tough year for Mark. He had, had a few uh, podiums, but guys like him, they really, really struggle to. I think they struggle to see like a value in in continuing to race. When they're outside the top five, they're not battling for championships. They're not really a factor, and they keep hitting the ground. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. I really like you would have thought Marv would have won one of these titles at least somewhere on the line. Like he finished second for like what six six series in a row. Like he was literally like yeah. always second fiddle. Like that's gotta suck for him. So maybe he wants to stick around and maybe try another year. You know, put another season of prep and give it another go. But it's gotta be tough. He's probably definitely debating it either way. Okay, so. We're talking about Marv on the KTM. He's been playing second fiddle to, to Dunge for the longest time. He thinks he's going to be the number one guy in 2019 when Webb comes over. Webb pulls the old switcheroo. But I don't think so, son, and you know, starts ripping off wins. Uh, in fact, if you remember that year, they, they went kind of like they butted heads quite a bit because they're kind of the first a, time. <laughs> yeah, those guys were were, were not friends fans of each other. Um, but yeah, now it's Webb's championship so far. He's won a ton of races. He run. He went. He won all of the races at uh, at Arlington. Swept Dallas residency. Love it. Love the love the term residency. It sounds like we're all doctors. And swept Orlando. Yes, swept Orlando. He had one win at uh, at the first rounds when we were in Houston. Pretty much everywhere we go, he's had a win somewhere, except for Daytona. That was a one race stay. We're gonna be in Atlanta for three races. He's got a great, uh, he's got momentum, he's got confidence. Those are the two things, and he's got a bike that's working great for him. Um, is he head and shoulders above Ken Roxon in, in every level, including being between his ears? Because in my mind, I think Ken Roxon is is all but defeated at this point. Yeah, it really sucks to say, like, I've been a huge Roxon fan basically the entire time I've been into moto to, like, to true. literally almost see, like, it, I hate to say mental collapse, but like I literally like at Daytona, I literally was like, it's it's over, like he's it's done, like there's no way he's gonna be able to regather himself, come back and like make the charge at Webb. Webb has definitely put himself in front of Roxon like way above, like it doesn't even seem to matter. And like yeah, like this track might suit Roxon a little bit better, but this is like Webb's home dirt now. They're coming back to you know the Carolina area, like mm -hmm. isn't that where Webb's from originally? So. Yep. As That's much as Roxon might like this type of dirt, Webb grew up on this type of dirt. So I think Atlanta will play even more to Webb's favor than Roxon just for mm -hmm. that one thing. Like, it's basically hometown for him. So I think definitely Webb's going to be uh, probably going to take more of these races than Roxon will either way. I think you're totally right. And then on top of that, I think that Tomac is going to just play spoiler. He is going to be like a thorn in the side. I got three races at this awesome of soil. Both of them. Yeah, both those guys, like, they're going to be 
he's going to be out front. I think he's going to get good starts. They got those sand rollers at this at the first Atlanta race. Like that, I, I just imagine like Tomac on the rear wheel on the Honda back in 2014, just like wheel tapping in uh, in Daytona. Like it's honestly, I think the championship's gone for Tomac, but I think he's still a top three in the mix kind of guy. And he's gonna be like he's gonna play spoiler for either one of those guys to win the championship, and and a big thorn in the side of uh, your two championship contenders, which is now a two horse race. Webb and Roxon. Yeah, now that he's thirty points out, he'll probably just start you know making it look easy again. He'll just you know pull ahead of somehow and just make a make an easy victory here or there. Like it seems once things are like out of reach or when the title's real far away, Tomac has just find a way to pull starts, do whatever he needs to do. He'll find a win even though like. It's kind of like, okay, well, where was that the rest of the time? Like, as we've seen in the past, it seems late in the year, no matter what, he'll just pull out some good stuff and show everybody that he's still top dog. I, I totally agree. I think, like, I don't know, like, because in the time, like, when did you start watching Supercross, like, full time? Probably 2016, right when I started getting into moto in the first place. Like, I'm pretty new to racing in general. Like, I didn't, I got into it super late, and basically, as soon as I got into it, Actual racing, I've started following the pro stuff like super intensely right off the get-go. Okay, because that's interesting to me because you get into it, 2016, Dunge wins the championship. He backs it up in 17. Then we have a one-time champion in Anderson in 18, yep. and he's a bum. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have, a so far, you like until now, a one-time championship in Cooper Webb. He can't defend, and then then uh, Tomac finally gets it done. Finally gets it done. Had it, you know, but it doesn't look like he's going to be able to defend. Like in the time that because I grew up in the Jeremy McGrath is going to win until Ricky Carmichael rips it out of his hands, and then Carmichael's going to win until Stewart rips it out of his hands, and then Vil the Villapoto era, and then you have the tail end of Dungey's career when he's the man. Like I, my education within the sport or sort of like the lay of the land has always been like, there's a guy who's just going to rip off championships for a while until somebody else rips it away. In your time, it's almost been someone different every single year. Yeah. Which is it's... It's totally different. You're right. So is, is it weird? Like, is it weird for you to see a guy like Tomac who was so strong for so many years? And then this year is just like a, a complete enigma. Like he's just weird to watch. Like sometimes he's the fastest guy on the track, and sometimes he's fucking eighth. Yeah, it's uh, it's honestly just confusing because I'm like, you know, you watch him in a heat race, and he looks really fast. He's looking good. You're like, oh, he's gonna come in the main. He's gonna like basically be Tomac. You know, he's gonna do it. And then he's rolling around in seventh place behind Plessinger for 15 minutes, and you're just watching like, huh? When's he? When's he gonna wake it up again? Because like, you've seen it year after year. No matter what, he just finds a way. He just starts all of a sudden just ripping. But like just not happening and i'm just like what the like what the fuck's going on around here like yeah why is he not just turning it up like i just yeah I, where's that weird. speed from 2018 17 like like where is 2017 phoenix when he won by like 40 seconds just fucking see you later gone yeah and then like him and aaron plessinger just duking it out those like those you i've seen both those things i am equally perplexed by both those things um, and then, so that's the next thing I want to talk about is that like the pecking order that is the, the, 
supercross class like the 450 class on like honestly i don't even think there is one this year like it's so i i really i know it falls it's it seems to fall chairs. into a almost a certain order but like you're just watching dudes who are going so fast who are like just not all the way clicking and you're like oh like this this order that they're in in points like it does not uh totally relate how the riders have been riding this year like i look at guys like ferrandis and stuff who are like mm-hmm. absolutely ripping and i'm like all right well he's way down in the pecking order but like He's up there when it like actually like if you stack them up like that's a dude who's up there for sure in speed and talent. So I don't really feel like the pecking order this year has been like vindictive of how people have been riding at all. It's been kind of kind of weird, honestly. It totally is because like you could literally like if I asked you, if I told you Aaron Plessinger is a fourth place guy, you'd be like yeah. I said Jason Anderson's a fourth place guy. Yeah. Yeah. And Malcolm Stewart's a fourth place guy. You're like, yeah. <laughs> like, who's gonna get fourth place? Because it's... there's like, there's literally about four or five guys throwing Marv in that mix. And you can always they're... have splashes of other dudes. Like, yeah. Malcolm gets in there Malcolm. sometimes. Like, sometimes you could swear Marty might be on his way, and then he, you know, he Marty's, crap, he's back. Marty's and he's way hit the back again. But like, yeah, dude, like it's crazy the people that can get like fourth to that podium spot. Like they're interchangeable. Like just swap them out, swap them out. So, like, yeah, it's insane. And then, like, there's obviously Reb, Webb and Rocks that have been the top two. Tomac's kind of the interchangeable third. But, like, yeah, even well, his starts have been so inconsistent and he just cruises. So, like, I don't even know if he's... Well, this year... I don't even know. The third <laughs> spot on the podium has been that wild card spot. And, like, it's just... It's a revolving door of different dudes that just happen to have a great night. And there's the... Like, in the deepest class we've ever seen, everyone's talking about how deep the class is... The consistency really isn't there, and I think that that kind of speaks to the amount of talent we have. Is that all these guys is like they have they have like I say like they get a seventh one weekend or one race because we're racing on Tuesdays too. Uh, they get a seventh, and then they got, that's a bad taste in their mouth. They want to do better than that the next weekend. Well, for them to do better, guys they who do a lot better. It's... But the, the the guys who finished ahead of them have to have a worse night. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like for like if a guy's seventh. Say Ferrandis is seventh. He doesn't want to be seventh. He wants to be up there in the top. In the top, he wants to be top four. Well, if he wants to get fourth, like a guy like Anderson or a guy like Plessinger has to be bumped down the line, and they're not a big fan of that either. There's a lot of guys that are super frustrated. Um, but on, and the the maybe the biggest tragedy of professional motocross and this whole season is that we got probably at least eight guys in the middle pack, middle of this pack of, of racers. That no one can tell you anything about how their season has gone, because in sp- in the sport of motocross, nobody talks about fourth through twelfth. No, you know what I mean. Like it's it's this it's sort of like you're just in that no man's land of you probably got lapped. No one really matter. It like, didn't really matter how you did unless you got a six start, and your name is probably Vince Freezy. Yeah, absolutely. It's been wild too. Like those, it's like they're all over the place, up and down, here and there. So like. Even even if you were to gauge them, how would you be able to gauge them? Because like one minute you're fourteenth, the next week you're sixth, then you're tenth, mm-hmm. then you're ninth. Like they're just so, it, yeah. It's just shake them up in a jar and pour them out, and like it's every week. It's who knows. Before we talk about two fifties here, like you're like you said you're you're a, a to, like a you're a Roxon guy. A little bit of Roxon guy. I'm probably a bigger Tomac fan when it comes down to it, but mm-hmm. like I guess I'm a fan of like honestly all the riders. I couldn't uh, couldn't tell you either way. Are are you a guy who, if you like, you're in the uh, the autograph line, or if you saw this one of these guys at Chipotle, like, are you just like awestruck 
you don't even like wouldn't even know what to do or would you kind of, or you, you like calmly sort of like bro him down? Like, hey guy, I'm definitely, I feel like I'm, I try and keep it cool and try and bro him down a bit, but I'm probably definitely showing a little bit of shaky nervousness, you yeah, know, butterflies, not, not uh, clear speaking, like, oh my God. Like, cause I remember I even talked to Dean Wilson at like a hotel and like he was eating breakfast or something. And I just like, you're bothering him, Why wandered up and I was just like, oh, I'm such a dick for bothering him. But I was like, I had to do it. Like, there's no way I'm going to let Dean Wilson just walk on out of this breakfast place of any place it yeah probably, yeah so i'm like of anyone nah. that would be cool with it, it's probably dino because he's probably like oh hey canada like did you even know that he raced in canada at that point no i don't think oh, so no. no no i was uh i was early in my uh professional knowledge there so okay so you straight, straight up thought he was from scotland That's <laughs> i don't uh, even think I, I had any idea where he was from i probably didn't even realize he had an for accent a guy from florida <laughs> oh my god oh man um but okay so you watch a lot of supercrosses but like do you also watch a lot of like outdoors are you outdoor guy more or supercross i try and watch as much as all the racing as i yeah, can outdoors indoors hard to watch the outdoors in the summer because i'm usually racing but uh i try and squeeze them in when i can through the week for sure and that, that's what like we could go on for hours about the fact that motocross is basically a participant sport and that's why it struggles to be have good pull for the nationals or supercrosses because on saturday nights people are usually working on their dirt bikes and saturday dur during the afternoon if it's a beautiful saturday afternoon i'm not watching Redbud. Nope. I'm going out and riding, probably outside, coming off the yeah. back of my motorcycle, maybe <laughs> trying to compare lap times with James Dolman and, and, and hoping that I'm a few seconds faster. Like when you're not pulling your shoulder back into place. So true. There. <laughs> yeah. And like, and like people by now, they may, may have the, like both the listeners of the Big MX radio podcast have heard the, the episode with JT Fox from Alpine star. Um, I told him about the elbow. Like what are, what's your assessment of what's going on with my arm right now? It definitely looks like you skidded down a landing for a little ways. You got a deep cut in your elbow. Mm -hmm. Looks like you hit a rock with that thing. No, you said you hugged your tire. Wheel. So uh, yeah, that's. All I mean, your side looks it. worse than your elbow for sure. Like your whole side looks like it got mauled. So yeah, I your I, elbow's I, the least of your worries. I think. I think I'm gonna go with I had a fight with a grizzly bear. That's uh, probably a good call. It literally looks like you just scratched across your side. So uh, it's not not far off. You gotta see the bear, man. <laughs> uh, and I'm talking 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 about uh, Bowers. Nobody's oh. talking about Bowers. Nobody's talking about Bowers. What happened? What happened to his program? I don't know. I wish, uh, like, Trigger he Racing. He doesn't get Kawasaki stuff anymore. He, I don't think anyone's even signing up to hang out with him for the collective experience. It's unfortunate. I like Tyler Bowers. He seemed like a good dude. I met him last year. Like, I feel like he should, like, if, if he could, he'd go back to Arena Cross. Like, I think he wishes, he probably wishes that Arena Cross was still cool and a thing. Now everyone just makes fun of Kyle Peters, who can still podium Supercross races, but he's just a you know arena cross bum, I guess. But well, podium Supercrosses, super anyways, like right, like he's a he's a like a as only Tyler Bowers sitting on, on my laptop here. Um, he's uh, like he went he had a perfect season. Like I don't care who you are, like whether you do a perfect season in the C class at a local series that's or that's hard to do. Especially with how crazy arena, arena crash is. Like, have you, <laughs> have you ever gone into a first corner to arena cross? Like, it's forget about it. And the guy pulled That's him every single cross, time. Yeah. I guess this is a perfect opportunity to talk two fifties. And this has been a complete fucking triage unit. Like both coasts. It's uh, it's 
when Seems... Grant Harlan is knocking down top fives, <laughs> no, no disrespect to Grant Harlan. Yeah, I think he's, he's probably really fast. It's yeah. gonna be great, but uh, like it, it's yeah, oh, he'll boy. be t- be able to tell his grandparents, grandkids, I got a f- top five at a Supercross, and his par- his kids will be, or grandkids will be like, "What's that, Grandpa? <laughs> Supercross won't exist. No, it'll just be electric bikes." Um, e-bike cross. Yeah, it'll be e-bike cross, and it'll be quiet. Uh, yeah, don't even. Remember <laughs> I don't want to go there yet. No, we're not going there yet. But no, like Hampshire, Lawrence missed some time. Uh, Forkner, complete again. snap show. Like Jordan Smith, Saudi. Like <sighs> I know you have your thoughts on Jordan Smith. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, oh, it just hurts me to watch it, man. It just hurts me to watch these dudes year in, year out, and I'm like, the same dudes seem to always collect injury, and I'm just like, fuck, like what's going well, on? Well, that's that's the Forkner situation. Like oh. the guy turned pro in 2017. Yeah, I think 16? so. Yeah. 17. Like 17 is when he first raced his first series in on the West. First round, he goes ass over tea kettle in the whoops. He misses some time. Oh, yeah, that was a bad crash, too. That was a good one. Yeah, He's had he some was... big good ass in the whoops. Yeah, but then that, that's for sure not a, a forte for him. Except for, like, routinely, like, perennially hurt, but also perennially faster than anybody. Oh, like... When it, like, on throwing down a lap time. So it's it's not that he can't do the laps. It's not that he doesn't have speed. I think that he he rides too much on the edge. I think that his technique is imperfect. So when he does make mistakes, a la James Stewart, he he's on his, on his head. And that happens quite often. And honestly, I think that he's a super emotional guy. And yeah, as soon as he gets like he his his wires cross, and he's thinking about like uh, like Justin Herbert else, getting yeah. after his girlfriend and shit like that, <laughs> he just loses his mind. Yeah, he seems to ride real emotional. You can tell like when he doesn't like if he just gets the start and he's out front like I nine times out of ten he's just gonna run away with that lead. But if he starts mid pack or somebody bumps him and passes him, I feel he like berserk. he kind of just like he sees red, he just like goes fire and he just like weeds it up somewhere because he just holds it wide open and dumps the clutch somewhere like i just but even in practice like a lot of his crashes and his that's pra- true yeah he, he has he, a lot of practice crashes he has don't make any sense yeah like you're just throwing down a lap and like whatever whatever and like all of a sudden like he doesn't even need to to jump certain sections and all of a sudden he's on his head or he's on the concrete on his head and, and he's injured and then so like for pro circuit they got to be frustrated in the fact that like this kid that he has so much potential, but just doesn't show he's it. So good, he is so fast. And honestly, I love Jordan Smith. He's uh, he's he's come on the podcast before a number of times. Uh, he's promised jerseys that he doesn't send to me, <laughs> um, which bothers me. But uh, that's that's his prerogative. I love the guy. He kind of lives in the same boat though. Like he can go really Dude, he's fast. So injured. But I just see him like for no reason all the time, just throwing it away on the track. Like whether he's by himself mm-hmm. or he's jumping into Jace Owen on a landing, like. These things seem to just like, I don't know if he's not paying attention or something, but it seems like things that should be like, you are you can see this going on and he just does it anyways. And I'm just like, man, like, what are you doing sometimes? Like, I don't understand what's going on out there. Well, I thought you hit the nail on the head the other day when you, were, you came to watch the race over at my place. <laughs> And and you you had your 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 take on on some of the construction of his anatomy. Yeah, he definitely uh, has some paper limbs. Like his wrists were a problem for like two years. I swear, two years he had problems. Like it was always like, oh, it's the wrist, it's the wrist. 
and then you would just let the bike go somewhere and then it's like oh now my knee's blown out because I couldn't hold on and I whiskey throttled over a jump and it's like well like man like what is going on like I just don't get it it's always honestly it, it I, I hate to bag on the guy but it is like always something and the 250 East is an episode of MASH right now um and honestly like I I think it's it it's kind of working out similarly to how Justin Bogle won his championship. And that's the year that AC won three races and then ended up like destroying his shoulder in Toronto. And then uh, Baggett got hurt and Martin Davalos got hurt. And it ended up being um, Bogle in the end who wins that championship immediately forced to the 450s. I love myself some Colt Nichols, but I don't know that I want that for him. Like I, like I think he'd he'd be able to defend his title next year and he has to go straight to the four fifties and I don't love I don't know if I love that program for him. Yeah, I feel like that's tough, but at the same time, like Colt Nichols has been in this position before, was it not last year, but maybe the year before, where he won like the first couple of rounds and he was like yeah. real strong. Of course, you know, he's had some issues breaking wrists a few times in the past before, but mm-hmm. uh, also made out of glass, not paper. So I don't I don't necessarily think that he's not necessarily ready for the 450 class because I feel like he's been winning 250 races for a couple years now. So I feel like he's there, but like I just don't think that he's ready to drop into that talent pool. Like I don't think he's of the class of the guys who are racing the 450 class. Right. I do agree, but I will say that there's a good to fair chance that by the time he gets it, like say he wins this championship, right? He Wait another year. year. He he defends next year. He goes up. 2023 yeah you gotta think there's at least three dudes that are gone gone well i think that i think that roxon's probably gone marv i think that marv's gone maybe i think that zacko's probably gone i think that uh tomac's probably gone i almost guarantee you that anderson's gone him and team fried are fucking see you later (laughs) i think that freezy's probably gone he's 100 years old tickle's probably gone um yeah, there really could be a big changing in the guard in the next couple of years. Because, yeah, you look at the class and you're like, it's really stacked. Dino, but, like, these dudes have been Dino's doing, not doing this a long for time. A, a lot more years. No. He's... Like, it's going to be the the Webb and Cian Cerullo show featuring uh, Colt Sexton. Nichols. Sexton. I think he's going to be he's gonna be awesome on a, on, a, on a 450 for a lot of years. Especially just because he's such a young kid. And he's, he's strong. Unfortunately, he's got, like... Uh, so he looks like he's got some lip injections right now. I hope that swelling goes down eventually. Yeah, I don't know what he looks like now, but I really hope he looks a lot better than he did because oh, that did not look fun. I feel like that would be uncomfortable to say the least. I totally agree. Take a moment and just... Uh, can you get me a beer, sweetheart? I'm just up. Sorry. You're in the grossing conversation. Sorry, my assistant had to buy me, get me a, a beer. Um, what do you want? One of the beers. I don't know. Uh, the Michelob. I just got judged by my three listeners for drinking Michelob Ultra. Da- <laughs> James has his, has a delicious cup of coffee. He might want another one, but then he might not sleep tonight. So I think yeah. he's tapping out. Uh, and that's the that's the sound of a Michelob Ultra being cracked open. Uh, no, I'm good. Um, no free ads though. Don't go buy Michelob Ultra. They weren't probably going to anyway. But. Um, yeah, we could go on and on for hours about the 250 class, but um, I think Colt Nichols is going to be able to wrap up that championship. I think that Christian Craig and his like the the mental situation that he's in, like 
Nichols is in his head. Even yeah. though it's been 10 weeks, there's this little, like, Colt Nichols... I just think Nichols is just like better than him at this point. He's just point. better at this point. In I think he always Craig's has career. been though. Craig, like maybe outdoors, Craig can like throw it to him, maybe. But like right. two fifty class in Supercross, I think Colt Nichols just brings a bit more to the table than Craig at this point. Well, okay, this is what I always say about Christian Craig, and he <clears throat> looks amazing on two wheels. And I'm not the Great. first to say that. I won't be the last to say it. Everyone always says Christian Craig looks amazing riding a dirt bike, and he does. But very few people say how fucking fast he is. How about the speed of Christian Craig? Yes, he's good in the whoops. But there's not a lot of people who say like, oh, did you see him link those jumps together? Or you see the corner speed. Like, when I think of Colt Nichols, not only do I think of most likely a, like a later in life, a male model. Because he's got the bone structure and that, and that jawline. As well <laughs> as probably better style than either one of us combined. He definitely has better style on a dirt bike, that's for sure. For the guy wearing a landline. It's a van shirt. It's a van shirt. Okay, cool. And a team fried hoodie. Or team fried uh, toque. Or beanie, as for my for the three American listeners. Um <laughs> But no, I think that I think that Colt Nichols is just better all all around on a dirt bike. Yeah, I think so too at this point for sure. And then uh, on on the other coast, I think that uh, I think that Cooper's got it. I don't think that uh, Whackers. I don't think Wackers has it. I think he's got speed, I, but I uh, still think that his worst finish during this whole series will be a DNF, and that will be his undoing. Yeah, I, I like honestly, I think McAdoo took a huge step this year, like from last year. I like, love it. Yeah, I like it's to see it. super impressive to see because you're kind of thinking like, huh, like is this PC ride gonna really last? But like, oh yeah, he's. I don't know when his contract is well, up, but if it was up, he'd be getting re up for sure. Because now it's like, oh well, now he's a he might actually be a title guy now, like cleans it up a little bit more and next mm-hmm. year we're definitely thinking like oh McAdoo's like McAdoo's coming for the title right so oh, yeah like, he's looking at he's looking at some serious big uh big bonuses next year because you know you don't get you don't get paid at PC unless you win um but yeah he definitely gets extended I like sushi actually yeah Shimoda has been like looking really good too that's been yeah, impressive he to stuck see as well. that one up my hoop because I really didn't think he was going to do that well no everyone kind of joked at his third overall last him. year but uh wait did he get third overall yeah, yeah third, third overall, overall and like and rookie of the year yeah and it was kind of like ah, yeah but he's but taking like, a step he's, no, he's spicy he's kinda... he doesn't like getting passed I think like, no, he, he, he battles hard it's he gets nice. passed by the jet and he like kind of shows him a wheel back like uh I really like the way he rides um but I think we're we're waiting just one more year on on uh, on McAdoo. I think Wackers is uh, is he's 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 almost there, but I don't think he's as polished as uh, Justin Cooper. And uh, and Cooper's got that that coveted YZ two fifty F that's just everything you thought it could be and more. And saying he's one year behind another person who's probably going to be one year behind is Hunter Lawrence. That dude is. As if he picked up Supercross the way he has. Dude. I was blown away. Again, I'm blown away by that, dude. Because I'm like, yeah. last year you were like, ooh, like Supercross he looked like you out there. Good. Like, it was like, ooh, like this yeah. isn't going to really like, Is work. that James on his bike? Oh, yeah. Like, and then, is that the 89? Then he comes out this season and he's just firing. Like, he's running up front. He's getting starts. He's passing dudes. And I'm like, holy. Like, he's just Points like, leader watch jets, Watch Jet Ride. And he's like, oh, that's how you ride Supercross. Like, I don't know what he did or what he figured out, but like. He still looks timid out there. Like he definitely does not look super comfy, mm-hmm. but he goes fast. Anyways, he's ripping. If if you had to guess prior to the season which one of the Lawrence brothers was gonna lead a point series first? Oh, Jet, for sure. All day. Like going away, especially with the injuries. You would have bet the house. house. 
You would have bet the house on on, on Jet, but no. I would have said Hunter Lawrence is like a you know towards like the five to eight range somewhere like that. I never was expecting him to come out and go what four two one or four three one whatever it was. Like, yeah, he came out hot like right away, and he's done good at every round. So it's like holy shit, like he he figured it out. For yeah, sure. and even on the race that he ended up in the net, he ended up wasn't that a fifth? Yeah, he still did really good after Spider Manning in the you know the net. That's like, ridiculous. Um, now. You and I, we watched some supercrosses and some outdoor races prior to this. One of the best things about coming over to the, the palatial Big MX Radio Estate, uh, which happens to be a 700 square foot apartment in uh, in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, is is that I have an external hard drive with about a terabyte full of old races, which is it's amazing. Most, it's great. It's my yeah. It's my most prized possession. Um, it's everything I want. <laughs> yeah, like I I, I keep. That maybe if like the only reason why I locked the door to this apartment is that is that, is that hard drive, and and, and a few of the my yeah my girlfriend leaves her shit here too so uh, so she asked me to lock it, um but uh, like we watched some races, okay what was the like we watched 2010 Jacksonville, what was your takeaway from that race we got Villapoto see you later. Dungey's on a Suzuki the year he wins that championship, and then uh, Trey Kennard ends up on the set, the last step of the podium. But the you, you had a lot to say about yeah, this particular I was, race. Yeah, I was kind of like, like I said, I was, I'm new to the scene of motocross, so like 2016 and later is like all I've seen like everything of. So like before that, like carb four strokes, the two stroke area, like I missed all of that. Like literally didn't even know what dirt bikes were back then. So. Yeah, well. Even when I'm watching like 2010 Supercross and they're on EFI bikes, like everyone's on EFI, they're all on good bikes, they got lots of power. But like if you watch the way these dudes ride, like I don't know if it's the track, if it's bikes, or if it's just the way they're so dialed in with facilities, but like they look like they're trying so much harder than they are now. Like you watch them push through sections, they're screwing up, they're just like arms aren't even bent, their elbows drop to the moon because they're wide open down a straightaway, they slide through the bull turn, like the rear ends just slides the whole way through and then they're wide open they're coming up short like even dungy villapoto like multi-time champions and these dudes look low-key sketchy out there like they're kind of all over the place and i'm like man you watch cooper wet and, and rocks in battle and they do not look they don't get out of shape at all like they're just kind of they're in their position you know they, they go they look they're like they're going marks. wide open but like their body does not show me that they're going wide open compared to definitely 2010 supercross in jacksonville those guys look like they're working for every ounce of speed but like how much different are the bikes and how much different are the tracks? Like, what's what's the deal there? I don't know, man. I think there there was, I think that, like, there's always been, like, a kind of like a pecking order that gets established. Even going back in, like, the early 2000s, 20, like, the, the late 90s. Like, honestly, I, that, that was a really good race to watch for whatever reason. There was a lot of passing that went on. You had Ivan Tedesco, who was kind of, like, a great rider who was on his way out at the time. He gets a great start. Wyndham too. Like. Wyndham was up there, and then you get uh, a 250 guy ra- racing opposite coast in Trey Kennard, who comes in and he's knocking off podiums. Um, and you happen to mention one of the the obstacles that I didn't even I didn't even notice, but you're like, is that a is that Dragon. a dragon's back at the end of a set of whoops? It was insane, like big big whoops, and then there's this, they just dragon back out, and I'm like. Why? Like, would you ever? Would they, I've never seen that before. I can't imagine they would do that going forward. But like, it looked insane. Like that would be so gnarly. Yeah, definitely was giving some guys some fits. 
And um, yeah, it, it was really cool to watch. I think Todd Harris, if I'm not mistaken, was the the announcer for it, like the play-by-play guy. Jeff Emig was your uh, uh, your color commentator. I can't remember who's on the floor. If they're even they even even showed anyone on the floor. Were you watching Supercross when Jeff was doing it? I think I caught the last year of Jeff Emig. Or maybe, yeah, I definitely remember Jeff Emig in the booth as the last year. I For him or RC? Honestly, Neither I, one of them are going to listen to this. I so. feel like I honestly have no preference. Like, literally, like, I, am, I honestly don't even listen to them half the time. I feel like I just get so, like, tunnel vision on the racetrack. And I'm kind of like, I'm always watching with friends. I'm not watching by myself. So I'm usually talking. We're kind of... Holy, like, did you see that? We're kind of like bench racing as the race is going on. So I feel like a lot of time I don't even listen to the commentator. So as far as that concerned, like the actual color commentary, other than like, you know, when Ralph was yelling like, oh, like the blue Yamaha or like stuff like that, like when you kind of like give a little laugh, like lighting the candles. Yeah. So like as far as Jeff Emig or Ricky Carmichael, throw either one in the booth. It's probably, probably fine. But uh, yeah, don't really have an opinion on that one, I guess. Fair enough. And then uh, we also watched... Um, Binghamton, New York, 2005, James Stewart on a 252 stroke, Ricky Carmichael, see you later, just knocking off wins. Uh, first of all, that was on the Outdoor Life Network, if I'm not mistaken, and just, like, the most ridiculous broadcast. There's, they're just, they show, like, very odd things. We also, we noticed at some point, uh, Robbie Raynard who I didn't think even raced nationals in 05. He's a, he's a top five guy for some reason, and that, that blew my mind. Uh, anything stick out for you on that race, other than the fact that James Stewart just looked really sketchy on a KX250? Yeah, he just looked real all over the place. Like He was just buck wild on that bike. I don't know if his, if he just threw settings to the wind, but like that bike was just pitched all over the place the whole time, and it was just like, I don't understand how he keeps that thing upright whatsoever. Fair enough. So we we like went through the we watched a lot of different races actually, including James Stewart racing out KX two one twenty five in Supercross. You ride a one twenty five, and you were telling me earlier that you just can't even imagine one twenty fives racing Supercross. But then when you watch James ride at one twenty five, it's like, like a two fifty F now. Like yeah, it's literally, he's like, he just makes it look easy, and I'm just like I don't, I don't how do you even come out of the corner and pick up speed? Like yeah. he lost it in the whoops one time, and then cleared the triple anyways, and I'm like. Like, easily cleared it. Like, I think he did a whip over it, too, or scrubbed it a bit. And I'm just like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, everyone around them's not even doing the same lines. No, no. It was, it, it literally looked like he was on a different class of motorcycle, even though I, even at that point, the 02 KX125 was not exactly the most potent, oh my God, check out this bike in the class. Like, I think the Yamaha at that time, even for a two stroke, was head and shoulders above that bike. So, that really goes to show his talent. Um, I talk about those races as we, you and I, were watching those. We're enjoying. We watch old old races. That's one of the best parts about coming over here because certainly it's not having my company. Um, let's talk about the broadcast. You somehow have the ability to to tone these guys out. Myself, as I guess you'd call me a broadcaster, podcaster, whatever. The the audio is something that like I, I just like it's the flub ups and the, these things that just drive me absolutely nuts. I spend probably more time talking about how, like too much time talking about how these guys uh, put their foot in their mouths. But like it like obviously I don't have anybody else that I would suggest to have on there. But 
Lee Diffie and Todd Harris so far have been our, our like play-by-play guys. Do you have a preference, either one of them? Todd Harris, just right off the bat. I don't know if it's... I, to me, it might just be... An Australian fan? Yeah, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the way he talks, whatever it is. But Todd Harris just does a better job, in my opinion. I just think he's a good announcer. I don't, I don't have a good reason why, but Todd Harris is just an easy answer for me. Yeah, I like I. The thing is, I like Aussies. I I don't love Lee's delivery for whatever reason. Um, he just doesn't seem as polished as Todd. And for whatever reason, I think that Todd and Ricky seem to have more rapport. Like they ha- they have a better connection. Yeah, I feel like they definitely like just go back and forth a bit better. And speaking of Ricky, I will like I definitely like I sort of listen here and there, but like. He's definitely, like, you know, worked. He's gotten a little bit better, gotten a little bit better. I think there's definitely still times he's holding back too much. Cause he, but he's starting to, you know, like, go, well, you know, like, that doesn't look too good. Or, like, that wasn't too smart. I think he definitely just needs to call dudes out a bit more, talk a little bit more smack on them. Because, like, it's Ricky Carmichael. He's the GOAT. Like, what's, what's anybody going to say? So, I don't know. I feel I like agree. he definitely needs to I think to he, could do, he could be more. wide open if he wanted to. Like, Absolutely. I've, like, when they make mistakes that are blatant or they're doing something that they just like, they should be doing something different. He should like point it out for everybody to see. Be like, yeah. Oh, like that's the worst strategy. What is he I've doing? That is yeah. not the right move. You are not going to win this way. Like he should yeah. just be straight up that way. And honestly, like, although he didn't do a lot of it, Ricky made his own mistakes as, as a racer. Like if you wanted to look back at the 2000 or the 1997 Supercross championship where he was on the ground all the time, or his rookie debut, or the, his debut season on a two fifty two stroke when he was he was just an absolute lawn dart. Like he could point out those types of things that were common within his career for certain years, and actually sort of like give more insight than basically just telling everyone to hit their marks and put themselves in a great position. Yeah, absolutely. He definitely has more insight than he. Uh, but I'm sure that he's also like. I know he's been doing it for a couple of years, but I'm sure as if we give him more time, he's going to get better and better. Cause I definitely feel like he's gotten better each year that he's done it. Yeah. And also I like every time I have like a, a gripe about anybody on the broadcast and we're going to get it to it at the end here. The onus really lies on like Chris Bond, the, the production manager Feld and NBC, because those are, those are the master puppeteers that are pulling the strings behind the ske- behind the scenes to tell these guys sort of what to be saying and like how to wrap it up and blah, 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 and how much time they have. Um, a lot of things come down to that. So we have two regulars on the floor. Daniel Blair, big fan of Daniel Blair. I like his, DB does I, a very good job. I love his podcast. Floor. I think he's, I wish he was as brutally honest on TV as his podcast, like I feel like there's two Daniels. Yeah, a little bit. There's main event Moto Daniel, and there's NBC Daniel. And I think obviously there has to be for TV sake because I yeah. think he, he he can't drop those uh, the the language, but just his tonality and his de- delivery is a lot different when it comes to uh, his podcast. But and this is funny, like we were doing a sort of a bit of a debrief prior to the podcast, and I, I asked you about Will Christian, and, and you had an interesting take. Yeah, I honestly don't notice her ever on the broadcast. Like, I've never this year one time been like, oh, Will Christian had that, like, good take. Like, I honestly can't remember one time where I heard her speak during the race. Like, she does the interviews, so, like, obviously I I see her do the interviews. I hear that, but, like, does she say anything during the race? Does she, like, bring up anything? Or, like, just, like, the rider report, like, oh, so-and-so is injured, maybe, or their bike broke. But, like, does she do anything else? 
Not really. I think she sometimes does like a... But even DB sometimes like, does that, so I'm not really too sure. Maybe it's... Yeah, I think she... I don't know if you could probably, if you dissected a few episodes, you'd probably figure out where exactly she's supposed to speak. I think she's supposed to do like a little bit of a hit before the main events where she sort of like talks about like a specific rider and his journey towards the main event. Oh that particular yeah, that's night. right. I, I feel like I haven't seen it this year. Maybe I'm yeah, just not paying close know. attention, but, uh, but she, definitely... she's very forgettable. Is she not like just in her, her performance for like, some reason, whenever I think of the person on the floor, I just always think of Jenny Taft. I'm sorry. Will Christian, you're, just, oh, you're Jenny Taft Jenny. to me. Like I just, you can't replace her. See, so. Jenny Taft was a double threat because she's and I from only started Minnesota. in 2016. So like, I don't know where that comes from. Cause she really wasn't around that long for me, but right. that's it. She's Jenny Taft. Sorry, Will Christian, you're Jenny Taft. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It might as well be the same person. I don't know. Jenny was, first of all, she's a hockey girl. She, she grew mm -hmm. up in Minnesota She's a broadcaster first and a sports person second. Right. And and she's huge into into like college football, hockey. She actually used to work with the LA Kings. And I got to talk to her at Anaheim one time and she was super prepared. Like watching how she prepared for that for that Supercross broadcast, I'm like, holy crap, we're gonna lose her. Within six months, <laughs> she was working for Fox. On their major station. Yeah. And now it is like, are they Fox or ESPN? She Fox, works, I think. Yeah, she's on Fox, but, but she's literally like, she's between that Stephen A. Smith clown show and whoever stands across from him. Yeah. And like, she's like the, like the, the female counterpart to that whole segment. And that used to be our trackside person back when we used to get, uh, social media updates from, uh, Miss Supercross. But yeah, that's, that's a story for another time, but. As for what you said on the Chris Bond and the NBC and the programmers, I definitely feel like they need to work on their delivery mid-race. Like, they, I guess they, they talk about it on other pods and other people talk about but, like, always, like, the throwbacks to the crashes and, like, the random interruptions for some bullshit story box. or, like... I yeah. can't stand the, like, we have two two screens the size of my cell phone. Yeah, and then the rest big is screen all TV. just background, like, a wallpaper. Yeah, it's all blue crap with the... the the tower in the one side, like literally, like I'm watching maybe 20 square inches. You see of... one dirt bike in each screen, so you're like, you can kind of almost see what's going on, but like, yeah. And like the oh, we like no matter how the race goes, we always have to do like a a, a throwback to how the start went, or throwback to this heat race win, like stuff that I'm just like, okay, but like there's a main event, like I don't really give a fuck about anything else right now, like just show the race, please, like I just want to see the main event, I don't really care about anything else. Save it for the 30 minutes in between the mains. Like, I don't know what to tell you. You got lots of time. Totally agree. <laughs> just don't put it in the middle of the main when there's, like, something going on. Like, I just don't know why they even need to bother. Like, if there's a race going on. Like, you don't stop the hockey game to go back and watch the fight from earlier. Fight happened. They show the replay. They're in the box. It's done. They move on with the game. Like, it's... There's yeah. no need to go back to something that happened 15 minutes earlier for really no reason. No, you're right. In the middle of a hockey game, they don't... Like, they don't, like in another box like they don't separate it and be like hey remember that penalty kill from the first period when the jets got scored on yeah remember when they, they they don't do that no you're completely right they, they also when you're watching a hockey game they don't explain what a puck is or what the blue line is um even though avid hockey fans like yourself probably don't even know what that is <laughs> but 
Did you ever? Did you play any hockey or stuff like that growing up? Oh yeah, I played rec league my entire life, pretty oh, much okay, up until a couple of years ago. So oh, I had no idea. Well, I have to get uh, now that your hands are made of paper. Uh, we'll have to get you out for a, a game uh, this this summer if, well, you if would, the world opens you, you up. You again. would like this because I have both regular equipment and a full set of goalie equipment. I played both equipments through my years of rec hockey. Ladies and gentlemen, the brand new co-host of the Big MX Radio podcast, <laughs> James Dolman. Uh, as you're you're looking and like before we get to our last topic for the broadcast and it's looming in the distance, like what do you think when you roll into this this hodgepodge of a living room? Um, clearly, the living room of a of a more or less a bachelor pad, kind of minus the girlfriend sitting there. Um, what do you what do you think when you just see all this crap on the walls and like maybe give give the listener at home one of the single one that's gotten well, this far into the podcast if, what the hell you're listening if you were at. just to call me out of the blue and i didn't know you had any podcast and you were like hey come do this podcast that i have and you didn't tell me what the main thing was and i walked in i'd be like oh it's a hockey podcast there is four sets of goalies along the front of the room by the tv there's hockey sticks there's jet signs everywhere there's a little bit of moto stuff there's some helmets and like a plastic rationale but like there is so much more hockey stuff everywhere that I would literally be like, oh, it's a hockey podcast. For sure. <laughs> like, instantly we'd be like, oh, this dude loves his hockey. Like, what absolutely I, I got loves McGrath. I got, I got... Yeah, you got Timu Solani and a fucking the other Jets jersey there. You got Wayne Gretzky over there. Like, you almost outweigh yourself with hockey to moto. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of hard to argue this one. Yeah, I guess. Plus, the, like, the 42 hockey sticks in the corner by your desk really, really is a giveaway. <laughs> There's not 42 dirt bikes in here. It's, it's the 42 hockey sticks for me okay all right fair enough fair enough uh well it's the the many parting gifts that i set you up with when you showed up here yeah it's you. the t-shirts and decals that uh they really hit home you bastard all right so last thing for the broadcast and thank thank god he's not on every broadcast but i can't fucking stand him it's rutledge wood and it's not even just on the most supercross i will say this I hated him in NASCAR. I super hate him when he shows up to a hockey game. Because he sh- anytime he's on NBC Sports, NBC Sports does hockey. They- their broadcast sucks for hockey in general. I don't care if, if, you're, if you're listening in the States, you love uh, like Doc Emmerich and the NBC Sports hockey broadcast. You're a clown. You've never watched, con- you've never watched um, Sportsnet or TSN hockey. That's how to really watch hockey. That's just how I feel about it. But you get Rutledge Wood in there. The curious cat, as they say sometimes, he's out there, he's looking into, like, uh, he's got, he's looking into uh, pit boards. They grabbed, uh, who was it? Uh, Corbin. Corbin, Corbin Hayes. Hayes. Corbin Hayes had his, his name written on the, the pit board with Sharpie. <laughs> and he probably got a 16th place start in the LCQ. To which then Rutledge wrote, good job. On that on that uh, on that pit board, like th- this is not necessary. I'm not interested, and I like regardless. My girlfriend, who's watched a total of one full season of Supercross, <laughs> also not interested. So if it's not if it's not for her, and it's not for me, James, who the fuck is it for? Well, it's definitely because... not for the kids either, because you don't need uh, any gimmicks to get kids interested in dirt bikes. Oh, so I, uh, I don't know what this. I don't know what the, the air. I don't know what the target audience is, because at no point are you looking at a death-defying sport and you're like 
interested in there some doodles on a pit board. Like, what are the ins? Like, the pit board's literally like, does anybody even care? Like, at all? Ever? Like, no, like the honestly, the thing about the pit board is more of a meme to me at local races when you write dumb shit for your buddies. Like, yeah, like unless you're the leader and you're like really important. Like, if you're not in the top bit, like, do, does anybody even really read their pit board at all? Do they even really no. write much? Like, you're on lap fifteen. Okay. Yeah, like yeah, like James Stewart, you're 15 seconds ahead. Yeah, you, you are. You're winning. Do not yard yourself. Like, like that's it. Like, yeah, and, and like at at a local level, like that's how everyone just learns how to draw boobs. Like if they basically really wanted to like show us what the pitboard was, they would just show the pitboard that says breathe because that's literally all they're gonna write because that's all you need. You're literally like, yeah. oh, that's a good call. Yeah, I'll take a breath while I do this like triple. But like other than that, like what are they honestly write? Like they're not Flow. writing smooth smooth like it's just dumb shit anyways no one wants to see that it's literally like almost embarrassing part of our sport that we don't want people to see don't show the pit boards yeah. it's usually kind of lame one word stuff that like even as a rider you're like fuck off man like obviously i know like, yeah you go by your guy who's like go faster and you're like if i could go faster i would like what do you mean no hang like, on rutledge no, wood doing a, doing a bit on flaggers who he made them look like clown shows. And they already make themselves look like clown shows. To just put them in the gutter even further is just disrespectful. Oh, yeah. And there's the Dig Dugs. <laughs> the Dig Dugs are different from Flaggers. They have the helmets. He actually should have probably done more on the Dig Dugs. The Dig Dugs are actual heroes. Those yeah, guys are true. Guys, they're in between the lanes, crouched down there. Bikes cartwheeling through the airs. They're yeah, in the trenches. They're crawling around the track like little scavengers. And made them look like children. Yeah. It's just a shame. It is. But, like, honestly, like, like it's... To put it in this perspective, like this would be like Rutledge Wood doing a doing a thing on fucking football where he's like they tie their shoes before they go out for their game, like they get come on first down and the first downsmen move down. Yeah, for they they move they move the ten yards yeah. or whatever it is. <laughs> I, it just it belittles our listener or our viewer. And honestly, and this is like this is where the whole David Villeman on pulp thing went sideways. Is that he was talking about the fact that this is on the Peacock app. Yeah, this is not on regular NBC no. Sports. People this is not on Channel Five. People pay to watch a specific show on a specific app. They didn't just yeah. go for a nap while watching golf and walk, wake up and like, oh, what's this Supercross thing? Well, this hey, Rutledge. that guy just jumped eighty feet. I wonder if there's pit boards. Like <laughs> Rutledge, please tell me more. <laughs> exactly, that never happens. No, they're like, oh, and so you got this clown. Who's been like he's been airdropped into my life to interrupt my main event? I get one main 450 main event every single week, and for a third of it, I get this clown in a flannel T-shirt telling me about the the pit boards. And he's like, "Hey, Ricky, it's super loud out here. Do you ever do you ever get distracted by the the loud crowd? <laughs> There's fifteen thousand people at that at that stadium. Another thing is like, I don't. Again, I just don't get it. Like, how many people... How When is this even on live TV? Is it even live TV anymore? Because, like, international people have to use the international stream because it does not stream anywhere else on TV. No, you can't, we can't even the, watch Peacock. We have no. to watch the, the video pass. And so if you're in the States and you have the Peacock app and you're paying for it, where where is NBC even putting... Like, when does NBC put this on TV? Like, is it even live? Well, like, I wouldn't to. even know. I don't even think they do. But, like, if it's not... Because you I can't really get the, the NBC Gold anymore. It's not that. It's just Peacock, and then it's like the next day they might show yeah. it. So like, I think that the what NBC... are the gimmicks for if nobody who's outside the sport is technically mm -hmm. seeing it? Because unless you pay for Peacock and you're like, oh, it's a Supercross all about, which yeah. like, 
the fuck? I'm going to get my, my, my money's worth by checking out all the programming on this yeah. cool app. Because uh, I like to watch figure skating and Supercross. So how many random people are seeing Supercross these days anyways if they're basically not putting it on the network live? Like, it's the same know. half dozen of people that listen to the podcast. Well, like, then they just need to get their shit together. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, we don't need gimmicks because we're not even getting new eyes, really. Like, the new eyes is so limited. What's the point of the gimmicks? They probably already know. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Um, all right, so let's unpack this a little bit. We got three races starting Saturday through the following Saturday. Perhaps I invite you over to watch on Tuesday night. <laughs> we'll see. We'll Big see. caveat there. Um, but, uh, like, it's it's going to be wild. It's going to, like, I, I'm really looking forward to the outdoor races. I know you got to get going because you gotta wait. You got to be up for work in, like, nine hours, six hours or whatever. Seven. Seven hours. Good Lord. Uh, I will still be snoozing. Feel free to call me. I won't answer. Um... <laughs> But um, outdoor outdoor supercross, possibility of rain because it's outdoors. There's all, like open air stadiums. Oh, it's going to be great, I think. All these races, uh, beautiful red clay of, of Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, from my understanding, they had fans at the, uh, at the Atlanta Braves game. So I think there's going to be even more fans available to go to these races. Uh, the state of Georgia loves, loves Supercross. I'm looking forward to watching it. What are your predictions? 250 class. Like, let's just pretend the three races are one big event. Like, what are you thinking by the end of the three race stay slash residency at Atlanta? What are we going to see in the 250 class? 250 class. I think like, obviously like excluding if we have some mutters or if we get like crazy rain if it's right. like regular supercross for the most part i think justin cooper is going to extend his points lead like substantially i think mackadoo is going to be like up and down lead. and the only variable would be is if hunter lawrence is literally just as good as he's been through the first couple I think rounds it could be better because this is, could be more outdoor-ish this might be more his style like the dirt might suit him better so like other than hunter lawrence being better than he's been i think Definitely just see Justin Cooper slowly walking away with this one as the other two mm. deal with, you know, issues mm. of variance in position and not being consistent at the front. Which, I mean, Justin Cooper's crashed a lot. He's had a weird year. But, like, that dude's so fast. I still don't understand how, like, he came out as a rookie, whole shots, outdoors, whole shots. So, I don't know what it was last summer and this year. He seems to be falling off that wagon. It's maybe the pressure mount. So, maybe he might throw it away yet. So, mm. it's... I think that... On a week, after two weeks of basically full-on outdoor testing, gets his head wrapped around Supercross again this week, has like has some rest, and probably if he he said he had he'd only ridden twice before going. That's to... That's true. He just came off injury. I forgot about that. That's the right. first round, and he won that race. Did really good. Like walked away with it. Practiced the whole deal. Right. Yeah. Like, exactly. As he, everyone expected him to he's, do. He's yet to not be first in qualifying. This is my bold prediction that the points leader, I'm going on a limb here, wins every single round in Atlanta and walks out of there with a 25-point lead. I could see it easily. Minimal. I even. think he's and then and he's he's cruising at home for a championship celebration at the second round of the Utah uh, stay at the the last two rounds in in Utah. And I think and honestly, I think that he's probably. Odds on him and Colt Nichols like just hold hands across the finish line in uh, in Utah Starry to wrap off sleep, sweep for the two fifties. We've seen that before. We'll probably see it again. 
450 wise, I'll go first. I think that we're going to see a little bit more fight from Ken Roxon that we saw in the last few rounds. I think that he's going to I think he's going to get a win in Atlanta. But unfortunately for him being 15 points down right now, I think it's going to be a little bit too little too late. I think that over the course of the 3 rounds, I see Cooper Webb more likely extending his lead to maybe 20 points versus giving up some points heading to Utah. So uh, I think I see some resistance from Ken, but in the long run, over the three rounds, I think it's Coop um, with uh, with some flashes of brilliance from Mr. Eli Tomac as well. Yeah, I think I definitely got to say like uh, unless Webb does something weird or or Roxon literally comes in and puts him on the ground or does something, if he doesn't make a statement. I think Webb's just gonna just beat him. Honestly, all three. Like I think if Roxon just does his thing, you know, does the start, gets goes really fast, and then you know late in the race kind of is slowing down or does that just does the same pace and Webb's there. I think Webb's just gonna do it to him again. Like it's just it's literally the same old song and dance with those two. You know, Roxon's really fast, but unless he like physically alters Webb's race, I think Webb's just gonna walk away with this thing the rest of the year. Like it just. Yeah. Almost inevitably at this point, I like I just like wow, Webb's Webb's just got it figured out for Roxy. Like he just knows what to do. I think he's definitely got him solved. And you know what? I think there's not a huge difference in in speed. No, not at all. I Especially think, late, like it's so yeah. minor. But I feel like Webb's just like so Webb's more like, of a honey badger. He's ferocious. He you just know what sees I mean? it. Like, he's he, like oh, he just he wants keeps it. coming and coming and coming. And I'm not saying that Ken Roxy doesn't want it. I just I don't know if there's anyone on the track way, though. Totally, but like that's in comparison to Webb. I don't think there's anyone in the sport of motocross right now who wants to win as much as as Cooper Webb wants to win. He's fierce, man. Like he's yeah. like you can tell late in the race when he's there, he just starts like just bulldogs it. Like I'm just like, man, I don't even know where he's like pulling the speed out of. Yeah, and like yeah, he like he really shows off the fitness because he's got that late in the race, and you know he's got that confidence that like I'm still gonna have that speed. And um, thank God I think for it's Baker's very, factory, <laughs> totally. and uh, and all that comes with that. Like I think that um, it's got to be pretty defeating when you got a guy like Kenny who knows he's probably a tick faster, but with three laps to go, he looks over his shoulder and he just sees this like honey badger, like revving his engine, number two in the program, probably just married your ex girlfriend. Like what up? I'm coming up. I'm coming up behind you, and I'm probably gonna take this win, this championship, and go off into the sunset. My last question for you on the Big MX Radio podcast: Your very first appearance, James Dalman. You gonna come on again, Sadan? Let's do it. I'm sure I'll only be better. So fair enough. Um, good enough this time. Let's do it again. Where do people send their hate mail if they're if they really want to like d- direct message you specifically? uh james jimmy d jimmy dot d underscore 89 on instagram okay fair enough so if nobody hits you up you know for fact that no one actually listens to this podcast um and then if you have good things to say about james uh then you can hit me up uh <laughs> brad gebhardt 88 or big mx radio as james hits his head on my i'm uh, definitely getting zero followers from this interview if <laughs> oh, anything, i sure. will lose followers from the people who listen and they will be like oh <laughs> I'm out. I, I can't believe we got through the whole podcast and you didn't call anyone a nutsack until you called yourself one. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, when it comes to bums, you know, I'm the biggest one out there. <laughs> oh, so. God. 
Well, I appreciate it, my friend. You have yourself a great rest of your night. And, yeah, it's uh, been a blast. Don't hang up just yet. For podcast sake, we're going to cut it off. I love it. Right there. <laughs> <laughs>